Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! Gives you chewing enjoyment. Presents for your listening enjoyment, Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Are you the insurance detective? That's right. Who's this? Johnny Doe, for now. Do you want to crack the Calgary job? What? Calgary Products down in Camden. 300,000 payroll robbery on the first of the month. This isn't my kind of a gag. Try it on somebody else, Wait a minute, wait a minute. This is no gag. Check the Alliance Bonding Company in New York. They've kept it out of the papers. If you're interested, be at the same phone tomorrow night at 10. I'll call you. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum bring you Edmund O'Brien in another adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Here's a taste treat you can enjoy indoors, outdoors, at work, or at play. The cool, long-lasting mint flavor refreshes you. The smooth, steady chewing helps keep you fresh and alert. Adds enjoyment to whatever you're doing. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Alliance Bonding Company, New York City, New York. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of the Calgary matter. Expense account item one, $10.50 transportation from my Hartford apartment to Alliance's Manhattan office. Good afternoon, sir. Hello. I think Mr. Matthews is expecting me. The name is Dollar? Oh, yes, Mr. Dollar. That door. Just go right in. Thank you. Yes. All right, Al. That'll be fine. The first bout starts at 8, but we don't care if we miss that. All right. I'll see you then. Sorry, but you can't hurry a son, you know. That's all right. I'm Johnny Dollar, Mr. Matthews. Uh, yes, yes. So I thought. Uh, sit down, won't you? Uh-huh. I don't want to be interrupted for the next hour, Miss Mills. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Mr. Dollar, do you put any stock in that telephone call? No, I haven't any idea. I don't know anything about it. I've done a lot of thinking since you phoned me about it. and Of course, there's nothing for us to do except to follow it up. But I can't help wondering if this man isn't a crank of some kind. Well, that's what I thought, too. Until you bore him out by telling me there'd been a robbery that had been held from the press. Why has it been kept a secret? Well, all concerned thought it was the best idea, and there's a possibility that the group involved is the same one that carried off the brink robbery. But any publicity would only give away our hunch that the same gang pulled both jobs. What makes you think the brink crowd might have pulled this one? Well, because of the way it was executed. Simple perfection. 
the knowledge the criminals had of our operations. You see, one of our armored cars was to deliver a cash deposit to the Barton Bank in Camden to cover the Calgary Products payroll. The truck simply didn't arrive. It was found later, wrecked and empty. The driver and the guards? They were found three miles away, bound and gagged. Their descriptions matched those at Brinks, masks and so on. Yes, it was perfection. They knew exactly when and where. What do you want me to do? I've talked it over with the rest of the Alliance executives. We want you to follow that call through, but we must insist that you make every effort to maintain the security we have established. Here are the details. Expense account item two, same as item one, transportation back to Hartford. At 9.45 that night, I was in my apartment waiting for the promised call from John Doe. At five past ten, my phone rang. Johnny Dollar. Stanley, three, four, six, nine. Yes? One moment, please. Philadelphia's calling. Philadelphia. You called Hartford is ready. Go ahead, please. Mr. Dollar? Yeah? What did you decide about the Calgary job? Well, what happened to the man I talked with last night? He didn't dare phone you tonight. He was afraid you'd be set up with the police to trace the call. I haven't talked to the police. Don't. If you do, it's all off. He doesn't want to be arrested. He wants to surrender to the New Jersey District Attorney's men. The guy I talked with last night? No. He wasn't involved with Calgary. It was a friend of his. You want to talk it over with him? Where? There's a room reserved in the name of Charles Randall at the Branford Hotel in Bridgeport. Check into it between 7 and 8 tomorrow night. Sign the register, Charles Randall, 7458 Walnut Drive, Boston. Look, why doesn't he just take my address and come over here? He can't. Why not? Branford Hotel, Bridgeport. If you're interested, be there. Expense account item three, five dollars, mileage to Bridgeport and the Brantford Hotel. It was a weathered frame building in the harbor district. I felt conspicuous walking across the lobby to the desk because I was the only man in sight who was wearing a tie. I wondered, since I was so out of place, why that address had been picked for a meeting that I assumed was not supposed to attract attention. My room was in the rear on the ground floor. I'd no more than opened the single window to air the room of the traces left by its previous tenant when I was signaled to the door. Dollar? Yeah. Let me come in. You got a driver's license or something? Better than that. A private operative's license. There you are. Thanks. I recognized your voice, but I thought I'd better make sure. Come on, we're going someplace else. Why? Because I'm not sure you weren't followed here. But I'll be sure we aren't going to be followed where we're going. I don't like it. It must be this way. You've got to believe me. He has to be careful. He doesn't want to get killed. Mm. What's the matter, the gang busting up? Come on. What started the trouble, splitting the loot? Dollar. Don't bother with me. I can't tell you anything, because I don't know anything. Believe me, I'm only doing this to help him out. You don't have to come if you don't want to. Where do we go? You won't be coming back here. Don't leave anything but the keys to your car. Somebody will drive it out. Do you know where I parked it? It's the green coupe, isn't it? Yeah. He knows. Not through the lobby. There's a rear door. My car is parked just outside. We drove without speaking, crisscrossing town and backtracking until he was satisfied there were no followers. And then, out of town in roughly an easterly direction, following the shore of Long Island Sound. I clocked three and four-tenth miles on the speedometer, starting at the city limits. Then he switched off the lights and turned right into a pair of ruts. Finally, we bounced to a stop in front of a cabin near the water. Watch your step. There are a couple of roots in the path. Did he come? He's here. Good. You wait in the car, will you? I don't think it'll take long. 
The first thing that impressed me as I walked past her into the single room was her youth. She didn't look much over 20. In spite of rather nondescript short brown hair and a band of freckles across an Irish nose, she was attractive. She was very small, and her violet eyes were very frightened. I'm glad you've come. Where's the man I've come after? He left. He decided at the last minute that it would be better if he didn't meet you tonight. Look, I've had enough. I don't play this way. I don't like to be made a fool of. But you aren't. Please be patient with us. I've been patient. And all I've gotten for it is some vague phone calls, pointless instructions, and a meeting in a crummy hotel that's right out of Dime Detective. I've had enough. Please help us. How can I help you when you don't give me anything? I don't know anything. And how can I help somebody who runs away? As far as I know, he doesn't even exist. I'll show you. Open it. His share of the Calgary money, didn't it? Did you take the wrapper off? I can take this with me? Yes. Mm, I get it. Does it matter? He wants to give himself up. Why this way? I told you on the phone. He doesn't want to be arrested in this state. He wants to go directly to the district attorney's office in New Jersey where the robbery was committed. He'll turn state's witness? Yes. But he has a demand. Promise of immunity. It won't work. Any promise like that destroys the value of testimony. Might even bar it from the trial. It's been done. It's never promised. He'll have to take his chances on that. It doesn't have to be public. You can try, can't you? Sure, I can try it, but I won't get it. Anything else? Yes. He wants to be placed in protective custody until after the trial. How many other men were in on the job? He wouldn't tell me. I can't tell you anymore. Will you go to New Jersey? I'll have to have two days. I may not be able to see anybody tomorrow. All right. You'll call your Hartford number both nights at 10. You'll have to go now. Please do your best. Don't be ridiculous, Dollar. That's one of the most impertinent requests I've heard since I took office. Nothing personal, Mr. Kreider. I was asked to make it, and I did. Well... Would you see that he's placed under protective custody until after the trial? Why should I grant this criminal any favor? Well, if it means breaking the Calgary matter, it seems to me a favor or two would be worthwhile. We'll break it in due time. You know where he is? No, but I've been close. I may be able to bring him in if I can get your word on a few of these things. Yeah, we'll see. Do you mind telling us where you've been operating? Now, you know I can't tell you that. These people are my clients now, more or less. I have to keep their confidences. Now... What's your answer? Answer? Definitely no immunity. Protective custody? Mm. All right. Yes, we'll assign a couple of men to guard him. Okay, Mr. Kreiner. I'll see what I can do with that. You'll hear from me in a day or so. Expense account items four and five, forty dollars traveled from New Haven to Trenton, New Jersey, and from Trenton back to Hartford. I reached home too late for the phone call that first night, but it came the next, promptly at 10, from Boston this time. What happened, Dollar? How did you make out? No worse than I expected to. Protection, but no immunity. Oh, that's not so good. They weren't too happy with the situation. I think because they want to make an arrest themselves. Were you followed? Yeah, two men. They're watching my building now. But I can lose them if you still want to negotiate. Can you come to Boston? Tonight? Yes, if you're sure you can shake the New Jersey men. Where do we meet? You're sure your line isn't tapped? They haven't had time, but they will if you don't quit stalling. Drive up through Springfield and Worcester. Just outside Boston, you'll pass through Auburndale. On the other side of it, there are two bridges. After you've crossed the second one, pull off the road and wait. All right, I'll be there. Well, let me tell you something. This is the last trip. Get your man off the dime. I can't spend the summer touring New England. I slipped out of Hartford, found the second bridge beyond Auburndale, pulled off the road, and sat there, listening to the night. I sat there for an hour before anything happened.
My name is Gannett, Mr. Dollar. Oh. Are you the one? Yes. I'm the one. Get in. Thank you. Well, you've caused quite a stir, Gannett. Yes, uh, so I understand. I've heard that crime pays only those who write about it and those who investigate. Are you armed? No, but satisfy yourself. The D.A. and Trenton? Uh, then, by all means, the D.A. and friends will be at the cottage by the sound. Bide after you have delivered me. It wasn't a silent trip, but the subject of our scattered conversation was always far removed from the Calgary matter. Gannett's only typically criminal attitude was one of fear. He was never satisfied that we weren't being followed. We weren't. I learned that at 9.30 the next morning when we pulled up in front of the state building in Trenton. We hadn't been followed. They were waiting for him. Al. Al, no. No, don't. Don't. Someone in the crowd, it was impossible to know who, shot Gannett to death and disappeared in the confusion. It was sudden and unexpected. More unexpected, I think, than learning after police identification that Gannett, admitted criminal, was also Arnold Gannett, LLD, professor of law at Russell University, New Haven, To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. The lively, full-bodied, real mint flavor cools your mouth, moistens your throat, freshens your taste. And the chewing itself gives you a little lift. Helps you keep going at your best. So for real chewing enjoyment that's refreshing and long-lasting, always keep Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. Healthful, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum will make every day more enjoyable. And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. A lot of answers died with Professor Arnold Gannett on the sidewalk in front of New Jersey State Building, but one had been born at the same time. They answered why the police of six states had made no progress in the Calgary case. They'd been following usual procedures, carrying out their investigations in criminal circles. There was nothing for me in Trenton except the possibility of a session of questioning by the district attorney's men, so I faded out of sight and started back towards the cottage on Long Island Sound. Hello? Hi. Did it go all right? No, it didn't. It blew up. Somebody was waiting for us in Trenton. He killed Gannett as he got out of the car. I thought we were careful enough. You were careful here and in Boston, but nobody was following you. They knew where he was going and waited for him. How did they find out? I don't know. He never told me anything about it. Where's the girl? She's asleep. She stayed awake all night. I don't know what this is going to do to her. She's his wife. She'll have to know. You're right. It'll be in the papers tomorrow, won't it? She was going back to New Haven in the morning. But I can't do it. I don't want to go in. I think you'd better. I don't know who you are, and so I don't want to lose track of you. Come on in with me. Very well. Gannon? This is Gannon. Oh, what is it? There's been trouble. Yes, there has. Where's Arnold? He's dead, Mrs. Gannon. Oh? He was killed before he could surrender. I, I want you to tell me who did it. I don't know. I don't know. 
I gave her an hour to get hold of herself. During that time, I learned that the other man at the cottage was Earl Becker of Bridgeport and a gardener at Arnold Gannett School. Enclosed, please find a copy of his statement. I had known Arnold Gannett since he was a student at Russell University. We got to be good friends when we started to fish the sound together. We didn't have anything else in common. But that sort of thing draws men together. I didn't know anything about the robbery until he told me he was in on it. All he told me when he asked me to help him surrender, I said I would. When I returned to the cottage, Mrs. Gannett was dry on it. Dollar, I appreciate what you've done. You've tried to help us, and I know that you're not to blame for anything. Well, there's no way to stop it. It's all finished now. I want you to go back to Hartford. Oh, it's not as simple as that. I put myself out on a limb with the New Jersey district attorney. I won't get off it until this is cleared up. Are you telling me the truth when you say you don't know who your husband was teamed up with? I don't know. He wouldn't tell me. He said it was safer if I didn't know. What did he tell you? Nothing until after it was all over. Two weeks after. And I knew he was awake at night because something was troubling him. He couldn't lie to me. Your husband was a brilliant man, a doctor of letters. How did he get mixed up in this thing? On Tuesdays, he caught criminal psychology. Before the end of the semester, there was a lot of discussion on the Brink robbery in Boston. And he thought he had the best theory of all. That the men who robbed Brinks had never been criminals before? Yes. And were able to come back to their respectable lives and hide in Did he offer that theory to his classes? No. That's what started it. He couldn't get it out of his mind. He told you this? Not until afterwards. It grew into a challenge that he had to do something about. So he did it. And was successful. When he told me, I made him promise to give himself up. I made him do it. I'm sorry I have to keep asking you, but there, there are things I have to know. These classes of his, how many students? It was a large enrollment this year. There were hundreds. Did your husband ever mention a man named Al? Oh, there were so many. I can't remember. Well, he must have kept records. Where can I find a list of his students? At our house in New Haven. Well, then we'll have to go there. I'll be outside. Please let me know as soon as you feel able to leave. By now, the time element had become important. I knew that before long, the police would be swarming into Gannett's house and make my search impossible. I also knew I'd be dragged back to New Jersey for questioning. On the way into town, I tried to get some more information from Mrs. Gannett, but no luck. She apparently knew nothing of her husband's action. It was 6 p.m. when she opened the door of Professor Gannett's office. Across one wall stretched a row of file cabinets, his records and lists of students. I never knew how many men's names start with the letters A and L. In an hour, Becker and I gathered from the 1949 and 50 enrollments some hundred names from Allen to Alvin. There aren't any more here. What do you do with a list like this? They live all over the country. Here's one from Arizona, Nebraska, Florida. I don't think we'll have to bother with them. You're dropping it? No. I think I've found it. Which one? Hey, that car, check the window, will you? See if it's police. Yes, it is. I can't talk to them now. Show me the back way out of here, will you? This leads to the hall. Uh, what shall we tell them? Well, don't lie yourself into a trap. Tell them I just left. Uh, you don't know where I was going. You read the papers, Mr. Matthews? Professor Gannett? Yes, it's hard to believe. You knew him? Yes, I'd met him. I'm awfully sorry about this. But now you know how the robbery was carried off with such perfection, don't you? What do you mean? You mentioned it yourself. They knew exactly where the armored truck would be and when. 
Your son Albert was a student of Professor Gannett. What are you intimating? For there are thousands of students at Russell. I don't know of any other who has connections with the company that was robbed. I won't stand for it. The crime was committed because of a fixation Professor Gannett had about the Brink robbery. He felt he had to prove that respectable people could commit a crime and get away with it. He did it. But he couldn't have without knowing where your truck was going and approximately when it left New York. Where is your son? Strangely enough, this possibility had crossed my mind, too, but I, I just can't believe Where it. is he? He's in his room, packing for a canoe trip up in Vermont. Which one is his room? I'll show you. Come on, it's upstairs. Your suspicions are very strong, I think. Yes, they are, Mr. Matthews. What have you learned about my son? That his name is Albert. Then there, there is no proof. I don't know. I want to find out. But he would have no reason to do anything like this. I have always given him everything he wanted. But he's a brilliant boy, much too intelligent. Here's his room. Al? Yes, Dad? What is it? May we come in? Well, I was just finishing... Oh, I'm sorry. Al, uh, this is Mr. Dollar. I'm the investigator working on the Calgary matter. Oh? Well, uh, excuse the room. My stuff's all over the place. I'm going up north. Where were you this morning at 9 o'clock? Why, I... Look, what is this? Where were you? I don't see that it makes any difference. It does. Because I was with Professor Arnold Gannett at 9 o'clock. Before he was killed, he called to somebody named Al. What does he mean, Dad? I don't understand. Mind if I look over your room? For what? For a gun. A thirty-eight, from the sound of it. The police will be able to check the slugs that killed Gannett. Dad. Yes, Albert? Dad, I... I did it. I don't know why. I, I don't... What will I do? I don't know. Dad, it, it wasn't supposed to end like this. Dad. I... I can't help you now, son. All right. All right, then I'll get away. I'll... No, you don't. It's no use. Get away. Get away Ow. from me. Oh. I'm sorry, Mr. Matthews. Yes, Mr. Dell. I'm sorry, too. Albert Matthews' statement, by the time he had finished, involved two other law students. They, too, were from families that should have not included criminals. And I wonder if Professor Gannett's unsuccessful experiment doesn't mean that the Brink robbery, $2 million wasn't committed by persons now hiding behind respectable lives. Expense account total, $1,180. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Remember, friends, to make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. There's lots of cooling, real mint flavor in every stick. And chewing Wrigley's Spearmint helps keep you feeling fresh and alert. You feel better, work better, get more fun out of doing things. So indoors, outdoors, wherever you go, keep some healthful, refreshing Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, brought to you by Wrigley's Spearmint Gum, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role, and is written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Leif Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can soon be seen starring in the Columbia Pictures production, 7-Eleven Ocean Drive. Featured in tonight's cast were Ted Osborne, Florence Lake, Bill Boucher, Virginia Gregg, John Daner, and Terry Kilburn. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. <laughs> the makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum 
Hope you've enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum every day. We invite you to join us again next week at the same time when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment. Presents for your listening enjoyment, Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Cal Porter at Associated, Johnny. What's up, Cal? Remember the Younger case, about 1945? Henry J. Younger. Your testimony set him up for a one-to-ten hitch. Sure as fraud? Yeah, sure, I remember him. They let him out yesterday. He's been noising it about that you're the top of his shopping list. Oh, I've heard that kind of talk before. Well, all I know is he's not here in Hartford visiting Grandmother. I'd like to have you on a payroll for a few weeks just for safety's sake. Keep an eye on him for us. Probably the easiest money I've ever taken, Cal. If I remember Mr. Unger, he'll have his eye on me. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum bring you Edmund O'Brien in another transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Here's a taste treat you can enjoy indoors, outdoors, at work, or at play. The cool, long-lasting mint flavor refreshes you. The smooth, steady chewing helps keep you fresh and alert. Adds enjoyment to whatever you're doing. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Associated Insurance Companies of New England. Attention, Calvin Porter. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of the Henry J. Unger matter. Expense account item one, $2.20, night letter to warden of state penitentiary, the dossier on Henry J. Unger. I just hung up when the doorbell rang. Just a second. Hello, Johnny. Eileen. Well, can I come in? Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, nice place. Been so long, I'd almost forgotten. I see you got rid of that imitation road there, the minister. Wasn't your type, anyway. Oh, I must say, you're not being very hospitable. Don't I deserve a drink? Yeah, sure. Well, what's the latest? Well, working as hard as ever. Oh, thanks. Sorry if I'm a lousy conversationalist, Eileen, but like you say, it's been a long time. I thought you said you never wanted to see me again. I did, once. But when I got your wire yesterday, I decided that... My wire? I didn't send you any wire. Don't make me seem like a fool, Johnny. I got a wire from you asking me up here this evening. You said you wanted to talk things over. Look, I don't know who's playing a gag on you, Eileen, but I didn't send you a wire. I know how you felt two years ago when we said so long. Maybe I was wrong two years ago. I know I made some mistakes and you made some mistakes. Let's but... see that wire. Oh, sure. It's right here in my purse. Tonight at 7.30, let's talk things over at my place and I'll Johnny. I didn't send that. You sure you don't know a few other Johnnies? That was a dirt class. You like little things like this, don't you, Eileen? You like to write yourself notes, make up stories. You've got an A-number-one imagination. Well, I went all through that a long time now ago. Now, you listen to me. 
This is no gag, and it's not my imagination. All right. All right. Make things as pleasant as possible as long as you can. Fair enough. I thought a lot about you, Johnny. Oh, I'm not apologizing, really, I'm not. Just thinking back. I'm glad it didn't turn out the way we originally planned it. I have spent half my life worrying over you. Oh, that's very touching. Especially in light of the fact that every other evening it was somebody else. I told you, Johnny. Yes, that we were going to be pleasant. Oh, that's right. We were going to be pleasant. Ah, you expecting someone? No. Mr. Dollar? Yes? Maybe you don't recall my face. The name is Unger. Henry J. Unger. Mind if I come in? I'm busy. Ah, yes, I see. Well, we won't take much of your time, will we, Ferdy? Well, a very minimal amount of your time. Mind introducing me to the lady? What do you want, Unger? My name is Henry J. Unger, miss. Well, maybe... Uh, maybe I'd better go, John. No, stick around. Go on, Eileen. I'll see you later. I said stick around. I guess you better stick around. You just came over for a visit. I'm going to let her go home. Oh, no. Maybe she'd like to watch the activities. Ferdy, get out the needle. Oh. Now, look, Unger. Oh, you talk, talk, talk. Just like someone in insurance. You make so much noise and you don't say anything. How's it coming, Ferdy? Satisfactorily. It's all ready. And they were each having a drink. I noticed that. Got the rope? Now you know I have the rope. That chair will be fine. Sit down, Dollar. What's the angle, Unger? You'll find out. Sit down. You work with gloves on, Ferdy? Sure, sure. I can do it with knitting. Once around. Twice around. Once around. Twice around. Hey, look. What are you going to do? Why don't you let him alone? Uh, it's love, Ferdy. Better go home, Unger. She hasn't anything to do with this. Finished, Ferdy? Uh, Come on, Unger. Ferdy, you finished? One, one more little. <laughs> there. All done. And very sturdy, too. All right, Ferdy. Roll up his sleeve. Uh, right. Hey, look. He's got a nice big blue vein right here. You know, it's so hard to find a good, nice, blue, bulgy vein on somebody. Feel, Uncle, feel, feel. He loves his work, this Ferdy. Used to be a lab technician at some big hospital. Didn't you, Ferdy? Oh, that's right, Mr. Unger. It, hold very still, Mr. Dollar, and concentrate on this lovely girl you see standing before you. Hmm? Just uh, conceive of yourself as being a very big man, the President of the United States or something. Someone with influence. There's a great deal of influence. My head was loaded with nails. The warm air clouded my nostrils and I couldn't breathe. I tried to open my eyes, but no luck. I longed for something bitter and bubbly and cold. It was the worst hangover I'd ever had in my life. I finally forced my eyes open. One of my hands felt heavy and the other felt light. I turned my head painfully. There was a gun in my right fist. On the floor, dried blood. A lot of blood. And a girl named Eileen. keys hanging in a great silver ring from a wide waist. And she was gone. Empty liquor bottles. Two in the corner, one near the body. I focused my eyes on the gun. It was my own. I sat up and opened the breech. It had been fired. Twice. I looked at my watch. I put it up to my face and I looked at it hard. Ten, twenty. I had been out almost three hours. 
I went out into the fresh air and it hit me like a slap on the mouth. I almost passed out again. But I took it slow, not breathing too deeply. Expense account item two, one dollar and I forget how many cents cab fare to the combination home and office of my good friend, old Dr. Norwich. I was still so groggy, I almost fell into the house when he opened the door. Why, Johnny, here, let me take your arm. Oh, I'm a little woozy. That I can see. Here, here, sit down before you fall down. Here we are. Look, Doc, I gotta trust you. I... I've just been framed. Look at my right arm. Vein. Been punctured. What did they give me? I don't know. I can take a blood sample and lab it up for you. Thanks, Doc. I can't be certain, but my opinion is you've been given a very adult dose of alcohol. Possibly a mixture of 50% alcohol and intravenous fluid. Can I prove it? Did you have a drink? Yeah, one. Well, I'm afraid gastric analysis would show a trace of alcohol. Yeah, but not enough to make me pass out. Well, by now, most of the alcohol would be in the blood whether you drank it or had it pumped into you. So it's a dead end. If it's a frame, Johnny, I'm afraid the evidence I could supply wouldn't be much help to you. You've been radically anesthetized, my friend, but that little round dot on your arm could have been self-inflicted. A good prosecuting attorney could make mincemeat out of your case. Can you at least... Make me solid again? It'll take a few hours, but I can get you on your feet. If you don't mind being treated a little rough. I don't mind anything, Doc, as long as you can get me awake enough to keep myself alive. After a Swiss bath consisting of ice-cold water pressured at the body out of a stout hose, plus a potent shot of vitamin B complex and another cup of coffee, I felt almost normal. The throb in my head was gone. In its place was the cold realization that I was wanted for murder. Expense account item three, 50 cents taxi fare to Asylum Street. It was funny going through all the motions of a murderer. I began to feel an edge of guilt creep into me. By the time I hauled myself into the Lost Soul Cafe, I felt as much a part of the place as the tramp at the elbow of the bar. I found an old informant at a front table. Expense account item four, $25 strictly for information. Sure, sure. Sit down. Sit down. For that kind of money, sit down. Thanks. Now, what was that question again? Henry J. Unger, Victor. Henry J. Unger. Just unfrozen. That's right. Well, 25 isn't very much. 25 is my present limit. This isn't too big a case. I could do better on Quish. Henry J. Unger and his character man, Ferdy. $25 and a shot. Right. Won't you join me? Oh, I can't look at the I took the cure one. Christopher, where are the same? Henry J. Unger. Well, he hasn't been around long enough for me to know his habits. Just a few weeks. He just got unfrozen, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what you said. Did I? Oh, yes, so I did. Well, he's been dropping in here every afternoon about... What time is it? Three o'clock. In the afternoon? Yeah, in the afternoon. I've been here a long time. Well, he should be here at any minute. You know, I should stop imbibing. You know why? It isn't really good for you. You had the treatment I had last night, you'd quit. Oh, wonderful. Give me a temperance lecture. I haven't heard one in 14 years. The last lady that lectured me, I married. Turned her into a derelict and got rid of her. Give me a temperance lecture. Yeah. Yeah, some other time. I just saw her. Where? See you later, Victor. Thanks. Please know you're out. I sit down and talk it over. I wouldn't stay in one place too long if I were you. It won't be too long. Well, speak your piece. This strictly revenge, younger. Let's put it this way: five years is a long time. Good thing I learned to behave myself, or I'd still be running the prison paper. You're the noisy type, younger. You'd be the finger man if I so much as stubbed my toe. Correction, I would have been. I've got the law doing my dirty work. You haven't made a mistake. I planned this for five years. You won't find any mistakes. 
Oh, I thought a lot about you, Dollar, up at the resort. Yeah, in the years I've been in the insurance game, I've seen you guys come and go by the dozen. They turn you out of the same mold. You flip a few jobs and it gives you a kick and it goes to your head. Then comes that one mistake. They salt you away and it gripes you. The world's to blame. You look around for somebody to take it out on. You talk a lot for a fugitive, Dollar. You're going to sit down over a piece of paper and write out a full confession, Unger. What makes you think so? This. A confession under duress isn't worth very much. It'll be worth a lot to me. For one thing, it'll be the truth. You'll have to prove I held a gun on you. Drop it, Dollar. What? I said drop it. You got the wrong man, Lieutenant. I doubt it, Dollar. You're under arrest for the murder of Eileen Kennedy. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. The lively, full-bodied, real mint flavor cools your mouth, moistens your throat, freshens your taste, and the chewing itself gives you a little lift, helps you keep going at your best. So for real chewing enjoyment that's refreshing and long-lasting, always keep Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. Healthful, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum will make every day more enjoyable. And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny, it's my duty to warn you that anything you say may be held against you. If you got a good lawyer... Lieutenant, this is ridiculous. You know I'm not a killer. Do you want a good lawyer? Yeah. Guess I better get one. Call Joseph P. Harris. Numbers in the book. Take care of that, Sergeant. That looks bad for you, Johnny. When the DA gets hold of this evidence, he's going to be pretty nasty. You have any contradictory facts? Yeah, sure. I'm innocent. Can you prove it? Oh, come on, Dollar. You're in trouble. It was a beautiful job of framing, Lieutenant. All right, tell me what happened. Eileen Kennedy received a telegram yesterday. It asked her to meet me up at my apartment at 7.30 the next night that I wanted to talk. You two had quite a romance at one time. Yeah, I we had quite a romance, but I didn't send that telegram. Can you prove it? I didn't send the... No. No, I can't prove it. Go on. Well, she got there at 7.30. We had a few words. Fight. Not a fight, differences of opinion. We weren't up there five minutes when the doorbell rang. It was Unger. He was with a guy he called Ferdy. Well, what happened? Unger pulled a gun on me, sat me down in the chair, and Ferdy tied me up. Then Ferdy injected alcohol into my vein enough to make me pass out. He dumped a few bottles around the apartment, probably pouring the liquor down the drain. And when I woke up, Eileen was lying dead on the floor next to me. That makes a good story, Dollar. Well, here's the mark on my arm. You can still see it. Yeah. All right, Johnny, now it's my turn. We found Eileen Kennedy in your apartment. There were two bullets on her, one in the abdomen, one in the chest, penetrating the heart at the right ventricle. From my gun? Yeah, the one we took from you when we captured you. Thirty-eight automatic. Lieutenant, the... We found empty liquor bottles around the place. Gastric analysis at autopsy of the girl showed alcohol. Sure, we each had a drink. A drink or many. There was a trace of alcohol. You say you didn't take more than one drink. Can you prove it? Can you prove it? Can you prove it? Can you prove you washed your face this morning? I don't have to, Johnny. Okay, Sergeant, take him to his cell. When his lawyer comes, send him right in. I'll try to remember something that might help me defend you, Johnny. Joe. Joe, I... I, I just can't think anymore, my... My head's going around like a pinwheel. You've got to keep yourself under control. Now, you're an investigator. You're used to dealing with things like this. Certainly when it comes to your own life. Yeah, that's just it. When it comes to my my own life, I'm tied up in knots. Well, I'll be frank. It'll be a rough one. Are they... Are they still holding Unger? They couldn't hold him. They had no charge against him. It looks like the indictment will go through, huh? Yeah, it looks like it. You were terribly drunk, Johnny. Dr. Norwich told me the percentage of alcohol in your blood. You... You think I killed her, don't you? 
Now, look, Johnny, I'm trying Forget to it. help you. Forget it, Joe. I'll see you in court. Pursuant to adjournment, Judge Samuel B. Epstein presiding. Be seated. The State of Connecticut versus John Dollar. We'll waive a jury, Johnny. I think you'll have a better chance. We'll take a jury, Joe. Stock picking. Your name, please? David W. Norwich. You're a physician, is that correct? Physician and surgeon. Now, Dr. Norwich. Did the defendant, Mr. Dollar, make a visit to you on the night of July 10th last? He did. Would you mind explaining the circumstances of that visit to the jury, Doctor? He was very sick. I had to help him inside he was so sick. A laboratory analysis of his blood showed him to be under the influence of alcohol. Did the defendant, or did he not show you a spot on his arm where a hypodermic needle had penetrated? He did. And did you, or did you not suggest to him at that time that the alcohol might have been administered by means of a hypodermic needle? I did, but also... That'll be all, Doctor. Not quite all, Doctor. Now, Doctor, you know as well as I do that a little black dot on the underside of the elbow might have been done by an enterprising young investigator such as Mr. Dollar in order to put forth a fairy tale that he was drugged, do you not? I object, Your Honor. The prosecuting attorney is attempting to intimidate the witness and interject his own opinions through the medium of his questions. Yes, thing. Very well. Doctor, is there any possible way of showing through laboratory tests of one sort or another whether alcohol had been administered by hypodermic or by mouth? Yes, there is. Gastric analysis. And did you perform such a test upon the defendant, Mr. Dollar, at the time of his visit to you, July 10 last? I did. Can you tell the jury what you found, please? I found a trace of alcohol. That will be all, Doctor. Thank you. Rochelle Happerson. You know her, Joey? Happerson, yeah. where do you live? 1024 and a half Kitchen Street, East Hartford. What relationship did you have to the murdered girl, Miss Kennedy? I was her roommate. How long had you roomed with Miss Kennedy? Oh, about three years. Now, Miss Happerson, did the defendant, Mr. Dollar, ever call on Miss Kennedy? Well, not for the last two years. But prior to two years ago, he did call at her place of residence. Is that not correct? Two years ago, yes. Yeah. Now, is it not true that Miss Kennedy and Mr. Dollar were about to be married? Yes, that's true. But that was two years ago, too, so far as I know. Just answer the questions, Miss Happerson. Well, you want the truth, don't you? We'll get the truth, Miss Happerson. Now, were you present when Miss Kennedy received the wire from Mr. Dollar requesting her to meet him at his apartment at 7.30 the night of July 10 last? Yes, I was. And what do you remember to be her reaction? Uh, hand me that pen. Well, she was very confused. She said she didn't love him, and she was hoping he wouldn't ask her to start again. And she went to Mr. Dollar's apartment under the impression that there was a chance that he might ask her to get together again? Objection, Your Honor. The witness cannot know what went on in the mind of the deceased. Sustained. Like the previous question from the record. Proceed. In your opinion... Uh, well, let me put it this way. Did Miss Kennedy not say to you only a day before the time that she left for Mr. Dollar's apartment that she was not in love with Dollar and that she hoped he would not ask her to marry him? Yes, she did. That will be all, Miss Happerson. Your name, please. Harvey S. Sawyer. Would you state your occupation? <clears throat> I'm a lieutenant, Homicide Bureau, Hartford Police Department. Lieutenant Sawyer, you were in charge of the Kennedy case, were you not? Yes, I was. You examined Mr. Dollar's apartment following the crime? I did. Did you find empty bottles of whiskey in the apartment? I did. How many? Four. And Four. where were the Four. bottles placed? I only saw three. Well, one was adjacent to the body, two were in one corner of the living room, and one was in the kitchen. Now, is it possible that one or more of those bottles might have been consumed previous to the night of July 10th, the night that Eileen Kennedy was killed? No, sir. Why do you say that, Lieutenant? Well, there were a few drops of liquor in every one of the four bottles. Had the liquor been consumed previous to that night, these drops would have evaporated by the time we got there. Thank you, Lieutenant. Your witness, Mr. Harrison. 
No questions. It looks bad, Johnny. Four. Four bottles. I only saw three. Maybe a plea of guilty. A hypodermic? Uh, what'd you say? Joe. Joe, I've been in the fog. Put me on the stand. I'd advise against it, Put Johnny. me on the stand, Joe. Your name? Johnny Dollar. Where do you live? 390 Pearl Street, Hartford. I'm going to point out to his your attorney that you don't have to testify. You're aware of that. I am. Now, did you kill Eileen Kennedy? I did not, and I can prove it. Please. Ladies and gentlemen. Please continue, please. Mr. Dollar. Now, there were four empty liquor bottles found in my apartment the night Eileen Kennedy was killed. Get that? Four bottles. One near the body, two in the corner, and the police say they found one in the kitchen. All empty. Lieutenant Sawyer testified that by examining the degree of evaporation in the bottles of the residual whiskey, those bottles had been emptied the night of July 10th and not before. Go on. The medical examiners proved that Miss Kennedy did not have a high percentage of alcohol in her blood. She could not then have consumed as much as a pint of liquor. And the police say even that much is doubtful. Now that means, ladies and gentlemen, that the night of July 10th, I would have had to consume over three and a half quarts of whiskey. I've got to admit that I would have been unconscious long before I reached that point. Order! 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 Now, as for the hypodermic needle, assuming I were about to go under from an overdose of alcohol, is it likely that I, who have had no practice at the administration of hypodermics, would have used my left hand to administer a hypodermic to myself and be accurate enough to hit the vein so exactly? Ladies and gentlemen, there's only one man who had a motive to kill Eileen Kennedy. That motive was to get me something he'd been threatening to do for five years. And that's the man, the next witness, the elevator boy in my building saw come up to my apartment the night of Eileen Kennedy's murder. That man is here in this courtroom. His name is Henry J. Unger. Oh, my God, he's making a break for Stop him, Pete! You did it, Tony, you did it! So the case of the state versus Johnny Dollar became the case of the state versus Henry Unger. Ferdy's confession under fire isn't going to help Unger any. You might sum up my whole case in one sentence. Alcohol and murder don't mix. But I'm not kidding myself. If Unger hadn't got panicky at the mention of the next witness, I might have gotten what he deserved. Just shows what a little nerve, some fast bluff, and somebody else's sense of guilt will do for you. You see, there is no elevator in my building. Expense account total, $50.39, more worry than you've got stockholders. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Remember, friends, to make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum. There's lots of cooling, real mint flavor in every stick. And chewing Wrigley Spearmint helps keep you feeling fresh and alert. You feel better, work better, get more fun out of doing things. So indoors, outdoors, wherever you go, keep some healthful, refreshing Wrigley Spearmint chewing gum handy. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to delicious Wrigley's Spearmint chewing gum. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, brought to you by Wrigley Spearmint Gum, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can soon... Featured in tonight's cast were Lou Krugman, Gene Bates, Raymond Burr, Sidney Miller, Mary Ship, Harley Bear, Herb Butterfield, and Bill Conrad. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. <laughs>
makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you've enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum every day. We invite you to join us again next week at the same time when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another transcribed adventure of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thanks for joining us for 1001 Radio Days, your home for Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.